As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Okay, if you're just tuning in, there's breaking news. The state Supreme Court ruling that Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers' administration overstepped its authority when it extended the state's safer-at-home order through the end of May. This order is effective immediately. Safer at home is struck down. There are no statewide orders limiting businesses, people, or activities. Well, it invites the legislature back into the conversation. I jumped up and down. I was super excited when I heard it. They have provided no plan. There's no question among anybody that people are going to get sick. I'm saddened and concerned about what this means for our state. Safer at home is dead. And it wasn't surprising when Wisconsin State Supreme Court struck down the order that kept businesses and activities closed. But the way it happened caught even the people who brought the lawsuit off guard. Now the big question, what happens next? the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Amanda St. Hilaire, here with my colleague Brian Polson. Hi, Brian. Good morning, Amanda. We're recording this episode on Thursday morning, May 14th, 2020. And we're here once again with Fox 6 political reporter Jason Calvi. Jason, welcome back to Open Record. Thanks for having me on. You have had quite a 24-hour period here, and we want to get to what the Supreme Court ruling said yesterday and what, where we go from here. But first, remind us how we got here in the first place. Okay, so the big issue here was the extension of the state's safer at home order. The Secretary-Designee of Health Services extended that out through May 26th. Uh, And what was the legal rationale for that, the framework, the foundation of that order? Well, there's two statutes in state law, and that is the centerpiece of what became a big lawsuit. But the, the two statutes in state law say that the Department of Health Services can authorize and implement all emergency measures necessary to control communicable diseases. And then the second statute says that Department of Health Services can close schools forbid public gatherings in schools, churches, and other places. So that's what state statute says. And so the Department of Health Services Secretary-Designee said that she was issuing extended safer at home based upon those two statutes. The Republican-led legislature sued and said this was an overreach, and it's been at the Supreme Court. They heard oral arguments eight, uh, nine days ago on this case, and we were waiting, waiting, waiting for this emergency decision, and finally it came down yesterday. And what does that ruling say? So the ruling blocks Safer at Home. It says it is unlawful, invalid, unenforceable. Those were the three words it used, uh, unlawful, invalid, unenforceable. Uh, that it was a four to three majority opinion uh, on the Supreme Court. So you had, the, you had four of the five conservatives on the court blocking Safer at Home. You had two of the progressives and one conservative not blocking it. So it was a four to three majority opinion uh, yesterday. 
So, Jason, once again, this this was Secretary Palm's extension of Safer at Home, not Governor Evers' executive order, which started all of this. That 60-day emergency order that created Safer at Home, if I understand correctly, expired or would have expired just a few days ago. Um, but well in advance of that, he had his uh, secretary-designee of DHS issue this extension of Safer at Home. So it was really her uh, directive that extended this out through May 26th, and that's what was at play here with the Supreme Court? Exactly. And it was very clear from the majority opinion that they said this case is not about Governor Evers' emergency order or the powers of the governor. This was all to do with that extension of Safer at Home based upon DHS, based upon those two statutes, and whether what exactly those those t- what, what exactly that state law means when it says that she can forbid public gatherings. And then in the majority opinion, they said, well, she actually overstepped the bounds of that because not only did she forbid public gatherings, but she forbid private gatherings. She, she closed businesses. Uh, she, she did these sorts of things, which they say was an overstep and, and was uh, therefore makes this uh, unlawful, invalid and unenforceable. So we know that the short term implication of this, of course, is that it strikes down safer at home. But in terms of the long term implications, does this ruling mean that in the future, whatever may come our way, the health secretary cannot issue these orders? That was what we saw in the dissents. They were really worried about about the the majority opinion here because they said the clear reading of the text was that the Department of Health Services can react to an emergency. And it was really interesting in the dissent, uh, one of the justices mentioned the history of, of, the, of the emergency powers of the health officials in the state of Wisconsin. They said it went back uh, to the 1800s. And they also mentioned the, the Spanish flu and they, they said of, of 1918. And they said that at that point, pretty much the state of Wisconsin was shut down at that point where people were staying home to contain that that la- that that uh, epidemic in in 1918, uh, so the question really is, what goes forward? And in the majority opinion, they they referred to this as a rule. So that was a big. There were there were several big debates about the statute, and according to state law, if if there's a rule put out by by an uh, by the administration's agencies. Uh, that has to go through the rulemaking process. So that would include public comment. That would inc- include legislative oversight. Uh, and, and there's also a separate rulemaking clause for emergencies. But still, there, it's a truncated rulemaking process in an emergency. But there's still you know, 11, 12, 13 days that it would take to actually put into effect an emergency rule. So it's not like you can instantly close uh, public gatherings and schools under uh, the rulemaking process now, which of course the legislature's argument here would have been that because there was already a governor's emergency order in place, that they believe Secretary Palm had time to go through that truncated emergency process and just chose not to. Yes, exactly. So that that is that is one of the arguments here that uh, that they that they had time to come to the legislature with a rule, and uh, and they should have done that. Uh, meanwhile, in one of the dissents, there was a comment that the legislature itself did not actually bring up any uh, oversight of the original Safer at Home order when they had the time, and they did come into special session a few times that they could have tackled the issue, but they re- but they didn't. When we're talking about what happens next, I think what caught a lot of people off guard is that this ruling doesn't come back and give the legislature and governor a week to hash out something new. It immediately opened up the state of Wisconsin. So practically speaking, 
What does that mean right now? Well, practically speaking right now, what that means is Safer at Home is struck down statewide, but there are these emergency orders that were in effect at local levels. So, for example, we saw Mayor Tom Barrett yesterday reiterating that the emergency order put forward in the city of Milwaukee back in March is still in effect. So uh, this is one of the things that the Evers administration said they were worried about ahead of the Supreme Court decision is that if Safer at Home was blocked, you were going to have this patchwork of county city city uh, ordinances competing with each other. And I think that's what you're going to see right now, where you're going to see Dane County and Milwaukee County uh, being a little bit more restrictive here. And you're going to see other places where businesses are going to be opening immediately. Now, they are able to open uh, immediately in those places where there's not currently a local ordinance in place. And why people were asking last night, well, why is it that the Supreme Court of the state of Wisconsin could strike down Safer at Home, but then there's still these local ordinances? Aren't the local ordinances also struck down? And no, that's not the case because we're dealing with just this, these two these statutes that gave the Department of Health Services the power to forbid public gatherings, and then what exactly did that mean at the state level? So it was always, this case was always just a state law issue. It was not about the United States Constitution. That was not brought up in the Republican arguments. It was not about the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, those sorts of things. There are currently lawsuits out there. There's two against Wisconsin Safer at Home that deal with those constitutional elements. There's one in federal court and there's one at the Wisconsin Supreme Court. But this case that was ruled on yesterday just dealt with state law. So again, that's not going to apply to these municipalities or counties that go ahead and put together their own safer at home, stay at home orders going forward. So the Wisconsin legislature had, in a sort of extraordinary move, had asked the Supreme Court to strike down this safer at home order by the secretary designee, but also asked for a six day stay to give time for some sort of rule to be some sort of you know plan to be put in place for what do we do now to get things back up and running again. But the Supreme Court chose not the majority uh, chose not to issue that stay. And there's some controversy even over that, because one of the four majority opinion justices, uh, uh, Justice Ro- Rogensack, also wrote, wrote a concurring opinion in which she said she thought the stay should have been put in place. Um, and and dissenters, uh, you know, you get into the legal nerdiness of it, said, well, well, she's the fourth vote, maybe that means there's four votes for a stay, so the stay should go into effect. Bottom line, there's no stay, which means, and we heard the governor say this, we heard some of the dissenting justices say now that this throws the state into chaos because there's this patchwork of local ordinances and and, and uh, safer at home orders. Some places don't have them. And, and then you see, you know, what does that mean? Can people just go right back out and live as though there is no COVID-19? Right. And you saw exactly. And you saw in Ann Walsh Bradley's dissent, she said, uh, is there a stay or is there not? There was confusion. You saw some reporters yesterday reporting that there was indeed a six day stay, meaning that Safer and Home was going to be blocked, but they were going to it would still be allowed to be uh, implement, you know, in place for six days to give the legislature uh, time to come up with a, with a negotiation with uh, with the Department of Health Services and the governor to come up with a with a rule going forward. So that's exactly what the Republicans asked for. They said, you know, to the Supreme Court, they suggested that if Safer at Home was blocked, that they that the Supreme Court give 
uh, these parties, the legislature as well as the Department of Health Services and the governor, some time, six days, to come up with a replacement rule. Then at the oral arguments, you know, they, they kind of backtracked as far as six days. They said, well, as much time as, as, the, leg- you know, as the Supreme Court uh, wanted to give on that. So there was an understanding that maybe it would take longer than six days to put one of these emergency rules into effect. But again, uh, there was confusion yesterday. You saw some reporters saying, yeah, there was going to be a stay. Well, in the, at the end of the day, there is no stay. Safer at home is blocked immediately. That's not what the Republicans asked for, but that's what they got. And uh, Justice Bradley, Ann Bradley, uh, in her in her dissent, even wrote, you know, be careful what you wish for. Um, you came to the court asking f- that the emergency order be b- deemed unlawful. Your wish is granted by today's majority, and it's granted instantly here. And my understanding is that the reason we don't have that stay is the principle. It's either unlawful or it's not. So if it's unlawful, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us to let it sit there for another week. Right, exactly. It's unenforceable. But that also gets to another interesting question because there is one little footnote that deals with schools. And it says uh, we're striking down Safer at Home except for one section of Safer at Home. And if you go ahead and look at what that section is, it's the, it's the paragraph dealing with the, closing of, the closures of schools across the state of Wisconsin. So the Supreme Court justices, the majority opinion, deemed that this Safer at Home was unlawful and unenforceable, except schools are still closed. That part is stays, stays in place. So the, again, there was a lot of confusion. That was in a footnote. You had to pay attention. Then you had to go cross-reference what exactly paragraph they were referencing. And it was the part about the schools. Schools in the state of Wisconsin will stay closed, according to the Supreme Court. What was the rationale for saying that this is unlawful for everything else except for schools? That is, the, that is a big question. That is something that uh, was brought up in one of, this, one of the dissents. The governor's office yesterday, also, they, they had a call with reporters last night. And that was one of the things they brought up is, you know, how is it, how is it uh, possible that the school part of this order can stay in place? There is no rationale given in the majority opinion when they cited that footnote. So we don't know. Um, we don't know exactly why they decided that that part gets to stay, but the other parts are all unlawful and invalid and unenforceable. Now, I'm not a legal scholar, and I have to admit, I tried reading this entire 161-page opinion. It's a, it's a big document. There's a lot in there. Not um, a quick read. Recall, no, it's, it's not a quick read. It's an interesting read. It's fascinating, especially if you really are interested in the law and the powers, the separation of powers and of our, of our state government uh, branches. But it is one that, you know, to try to sift through the meaning of everything is not easy in a, in a, in a quick read. But one thing that stands out is in the the powers that the legislature did give to DHS in public health emergencies, there are schools are specified. Schools are named, but I believe also churches and some other things are named. So I, I don't know. Does that play into maybe why school they were they allowed that portion of the order to to stay in place, but but pulled back others? If that was the case, you would think that maybe keeping churches closed would have stayed in place. It definitely is confusing when there's no specific rationale for why that was left in. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point, Brian. Yeah, that statute that is sort of the foundational text and the, the crux of the controversy does say the Department of Health Services can close schools and forbid public gatherings in schools, churches, and other public places to control outbreaks, outbreaks and epidemics. But again, they're, they're saying that everything else was an overreach. And so again, I don't know why the schools was exempted, but uh, the closing of churches and other public places is now null and void. I want to talk about the makeup 
of the court because right now Wisconsin State Supreme Court has five justices who are backed by conservative groups and two justices who are backed by liberal groups. So the conventional thinking was that this was going to be a 5-2 decision in favor of the legislature. That's not what happened. It was a 4-3 decision. So what happened there? Right, exactly. So uh, Justice Brian Hagedorn, who just joined the court uh, last year, uh, he, he, one of the, one of the members of the five uh, member conservative bloc on the Wisconsin Supreme Court, he voted uh, against the majority here. He, he joined with the progressives backing safer at home. Uh, he had two arguments in his dissent, and, and his dissent was was pretty colorful. It it uh, it, it referenced uh, buyer's remorse. He said uh, the legislature might have buyer's remorse uh, for what they what the power that they gave to the Department of Health Services in those statutes, which we continue continually reference here. Uh, but he he his two arguments were one the legislature doesn't have standing to bring this case. Now, standing is this legal principle of, of who can and cannot bring a lawsuit. And, and he, he was saying the legislature wasn't hurt. Uh, the legislature wasn't hurt, so therefore they had no standing to bring the lawsuit. Uh, he was saying the, the people that should bring or could bring a lawsuit against Safer at Home would be entities that were actually impacted by this. The legislature was allowed to continue working, so therefore uh, Hagedorn, the, one of the conservative members, said the legislature had no standing. And then secondly, he said, you know, looking at those texts that we mentioned, the, the statutes, uh, state law, that gives the Department of Health Services the power to forbid public gatherings, he was saying, you know, that um, the legislature in this lawsuit must just have buyer's remorse because it's you know clear from that text that the Department of Health Services has power to do things in emergency situations like this pandemic. I was in reading through this document where there was one line that really stood out to me as as one uh, maybe you throw up your hands a little bit or, or shrug your shoulders, but uh, it, the whole question of of, of having a stay and the legislature requesting one was the idea that if you strike this down, we still need a little time to come up with a plan. How do we, you know, what do we do going forward? And the Supreme Court said, no, you either, we have it or we don't. And we say it's gone. So it's gone. But in the literally page 30, paragraph 57, I made note of this. The the majority opinion wrote, we trust that the legislature and Palm, the designee secretary of the uh, DHS, We trust they've been working together in good faith the past couple of weeks here to establish a lawful rule that addresses COVID-19. That's cute. Yeah, they they trust the legislature and the the Evers administration have been working together in good faith. And as an observer of this, we follow this all along. Those two sides haven't been working together in good faith from what we've seen. That's right. Yeah. Is, is that a fair assessment, Jason? I mean, you follow this closely. Is, is it fair to say that looking at those two sides and assuming they're working together good faith is, is, is a stretch? Yeah, bo- both sides. Uh, there, there was a meeting between Governor Evers and uh, before before oral arguments. So that was last uh, Monday. Uh, where Governor Evers had a phone call with the Republican leaders of the, you know, the Speaker of the Assembly and the Majority Leader in the Senate, as well as the two minority leaders in both chambers, and they had a discussion. And Republicans had brought up the ideal, the idea of sort of a regional reopening, whereby you know Superior Wisconsin would be able to open up 
you know, more quickly with less restrictions compared with a place like Milwaukee that has more of an outbreak. And, and so therefore there may be more restrictions in a place like Milwaukee, but the rural areas uh, would be able to sort of open up uh, more quickly and with less restrictions. So that's sort of what Republicans had been pushing for in that meeting. Um, Governor Evers has always kind of pushed back and said he wanted to see an explicit and a, a detailed uh, plan from Republicans. And he said that he wasn't getting it from, from them. So yeah, there has been this sort of um, not a lot of talking between the sides, and um, the the court, in her opinion, said, "Well, we we picked up this case two weeks ago, so it would have we would have uh, trusted that the legislature and Palm, the secretary designee, would have uh, put the interests of Wisconsin first and come up with uh, working together in good faith to, good faith to address this issue." Um, that hasn't happened. We do know that uh, today the Evers administration is going to put out what's called the scope statement. And what this is, is this is the first part of the rulemaking, emergency rulemaking process. So the scope statement will outline, uh, you know, potential rule that they're going to be making in this emergency process. And then on Monday, it will be published officially in the record. And then there'll be a 10-day waiting period, uh, at which point they can implement the rule. Then the legislature, because it's an emergency situation, the legislature, after the rule is put into place, will have the chance to oversee this rule and potentially even suspend the, the emergency rule. And that was one of the things the Ever, Evers administration was worried about, that it's going to take, you know, 10, 14 days to put this into place. And they're saying Governor Evers last night said that the Supreme Court decision is actually going to lead to chaos in the state of Wisconsin. Well, one thing that's been making the rounds on social media is a video from a bar called Nick's, uh, where people are just hours after the ruling came down, people are crammed in that bar. It is packed. People are standing shoulder to shoulder, which obviously is a sight we have not seen in the last few weeks. I know that I've heard some business owners say, look, we need to be open. We need to make money. If you're uncomfortable with it, no one's forcing you to go out. But I've also spoken to people who have been filing for unemployment who say, if my employer calls me back to work, if I want to make money, I have to go back. I won't be eligible for unemployment if I say no, even if I'm fearful for my safety, even if I have a family member who is immunocompromised. And I could be working right next to someone who was just at Nick's bar. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out and what happens to these COVID-19 numbers. Exactly. And that's you know what, what they were saying. And, and you know Dr. Fauci, just this week, had had mentioned that if states open up too quickly, that we were going to see uh, you know a lot more cases, and and that that would be a, a big mistake for the country. Now, it's uh, you know does that apply in Wisconsin? Uh, that's not for me to decide. I just you know that's what uh, Dr. Fauci had had written. Now, I, I we did get a lot of questions or some questions from business owners, salons, barber shops, uh, and the like about well, how can they you know how how what's the best practices for reopening? And uh, there are some, some documents that the state put out uh, last week to help the businesses when it was eventually time to reopen. And we do have a link at fox6now.com. But uh, they're, they're, the brochures are very um, detailed, and, and they are, there's a brochure for barber shops and salons. There's a separate brochure for restaurants and bars. There's another one uh, for gyms and, and health uh, health centers. So you know, people that are business owners or employees, they can look at those documents and find out what best practices are for reopening. Uh, one, of the, for example, with gyms, they they suggest that so there be hand sanitizer stations or hand washing stations when you enter the gym and then when you leave, but after using each piece of 
equipment, whether it's a barbell or a dumbbell or a, a, a elliptical machine, that after each usage, that it's sanitized and cleaned. Uh, so those are some of the best practices. And also just keeping everybody six feet apart, things like that. Uh, for, for barber shops, you know, everything that touches each client would need to be cleaned. Uh, a cape, you know, a new fresh cape for every uh, customer that comes in into the barbershop. So just things like that, that, that barbershops and salons, bars, restaurants, gyms can put into place if they decide to reopen. And if you are interested in reopening, you know, we'd like to hear you because we'd like to, to see how you're dealing with the, putting in these uh, practices and kind of what the struggle is for you as a business owner to decide whether or not it's time to reopen. Because now if you're not in the city of Milwaukee, for example, or in Dane County, you can probably open right now. Last night when when this came down, my first thought, you know, I'm sitting at home with family, but as a journalist, I think this is a, a pretty remarkable moment in time. And I wanted to know, are, are, we saw the Tavern League had issued a statement right away saying, you can open immediately. That's what this means. You can open your doors right now and start taking orders and, and you know, open up the bar. And so I, I just hopped in the car and went for a short drive. And, and uh, Southern Ozaukee County, uh, Washington County area, uh, Germantown, Beansville, Mequon, and past every bar uh, I could find, and they were all closed. No one uh, in those areas appeared to take it upon themselves to open up immediately. We did see, obviously, the stuff on social media about Nick's bar because it was packed, no one's wearing masks, and that's the one that's going all over. The Washington Post had that uh, photo today, um, so that that's the one that's making the rounds. But it does seem like a lot of businesses are still, regardless of this decision, are stepping back and going, well, well wait a minute. Number one, we don't have the product ready. We've got to get our employees back. In some cases, we might have to hire people and train them. And, and we've seen some already make statements that, look, we were planning... For Memorial Day weekend, we're going to stick to that plan. So even though the law isn't technically in place in a lot of areas, the practical effect may be that a lot of these people may not be opening their businesses up until this order would have expired anyway, right? Exactly right. I mean, there, people were planning on a May 26 opening and, and getting, you know, ramping back up. Some some businesses may may have a lot of boxes and, and things. Maybe they've been doing takeout service for some of these restaurants and things. So maybe they don't have a dining room space even available because they've been, you know, loading up on disposable uh, plates and, and things that they've been using on uh storing them on the tables, for example, in some of the restaurants that have done takeout service the last few weeks. Um, so that's, that's one thing to watch. Another thing I, I just want to reiterate is it's best, you know, this is going to be a county by county and city by city, town by town decisions about how, how we reopen and things like that. So it's best if you are a business owner to go ahead and check with your local health department, uh, your local uh, city clerk, uh, your local city administration to find out uh, the exact uh, orders that may be in place for your municipality. For example, in Milwaukee, there is that order that's still in place. Milwaukee County health officials yesterday, Mayor Barrett had re had revealed that they were coming up with this um, this model re regulation model order that will that uh, health officials here in Milwaukee County can implement uh, at, at the municipal level, etc. So I think it is best for everybody listening, if you are a business owner, to go ahead and check with and continue following Fox 6. We'll have updates as well as we get them. But, you know, this is going to be a regional and local uh, moving forward of, of opening, and it's best to, to, to be safe uh, with, with knowing what goes forward. But again, the Supreme Court yesterday said at least with Safer at Home, uh, there could be no criminal penalties under Safer at Home. So there were people that were arrested and charged with violating Safer at Home, the statewide order. So it'll be interesting to see how those 
cases will now have to be dropped, according to the Supreme Court, at least with that statewide order. Of course, as you guys were mentioning before we started the recording, uh, there are other penalties at local levels. So again, we don't want anybody to, to be charged or, or come into legal problems here. So it's best, again, to check with how your own city or town is, is dealing with this. Jason, it's been a busy past 24 hours. I have a feeling the next 24 hours will be just as busy for you. So thank you for taking the time to walk us through all this on Open Record. Thanks for having me on. And we are going to continue bringing you more frequent episodes of Open Record as we cover the COVID-19 pandemic. If there's a topic you want us to discuss, an issue you think we should investigate, please send us an email at theinvestigators at fox6now.com. Thank you to the people who make this podcast possible every day. Producer Pete, Dave Machuda, Suzanne Barthel, and Sarah Smith. And please subscribe to Open Record if you have not done so already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Polson for Amanda St. Hilaire. We'll be back again tomorrow. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.